The story goes that when Fred Williams returned to Melbourne from London in 1957, his good friend the painter John Brack said to him, Well, Freddie, what are you going to do? I'm going to paint the gum tree, Williams replied. You can't do that, countered Brack. Everybody's done that. Well, said Fred, it's just what I'm going to do. Australian art had indeed been dominated by the landscape tradition. Everybody had done the gum tree, and it had become a cliché. When he decided to work in the landscape tradition, Williams was devising a very tricky task for himself. Was there anything new to say? What innovative qualities could Williams possibly bring to such overdone subject matter? His decision also represented a surprising change of direction. As an artist, Williams had concentrated on painting the figure. His time in London, for instance, was partly spent making etchings of music hall performers. Now, freshly back in Australia, he wanted to paint the landscape? No wonder Brack was incredulous. However, as soon as he returned, it was the land that resonated for Williams. He said, The first thing I noticed when I returned to Australia was the peculiarity of the country. The Pilbara series, which you're now standing before, is the last major series created by Williams before his death in 1982. Williams first visited the Pilbara region, which lies in the extreme north of Australia, in 1979. He was invited by his friend, Sir Roderick Carnegie, the chairman of the mining conglomerate CRA Limited, now Rio Tinto. Carnegie suggested that Williams might document the region which had only recently opened up to mining before it was irrevocably changed. Williams and his wife Lynn explored the region, often because of the sheer scale of the place, in a light aircraft. Williams was enchanted. On the 13th of May 1979, he wrote in his diary, We fly to the diamond mines. On the way we run into a squall. The pilot comes down out of it in a corkscrew turn and the sight at about 500 feet was brilliant. Flocks of parrots and lines of brumbies running through the landscape. Very memorable. Chris takes me to a delightful spot. I paint for one and a half hours. Too rushed. Straight back into the light plains and I get a marvellous view of the countryside. A day when my head is full of images to the point where I cannot think about today or tomorrow. He set about taking many photographs and painting gouaches on site. His view took in the vast, the gorges, the mountains, the endless expanse of plains, as well as the intimate, such as studies of spiders in their webs or wildflowers. Williams thought the Pilbara was glorious. Anyone, he said, who could not paint in this particular country is probably in the wrong profession. Carnegie inquired about commissioning the works, and Williams recorded this in his diary. I say what I always say on occasions like this. Wait until I have some work finished, and if they feel like it, they can go ahead and buy it. Later, upon seeing the works, Williams wrote that Rio Tinto would like a batch. The full series of 18 gouaches and 13 paintings was later donated to the NGV. William's pictorial language gives us both an actual but also symbolic representation of the Pilbara. 
Red landscape, for instance, accurately depicts the region's deep red soil, coloured by iron ore deposits and the scrubby land with spindly vegetation dotted here and there. However, the painter has also abstracted the landscape to better transmit a sense of the vastness and endlessness of the plains. The striking composition, reminiscent of colour field painting, communicates very effectively just how bold and definitive the horizon line seems in such a landscape. Williams had an ongoing interest in representing space. He moved away from European pictorial conventions, such as one-point perspective, clear foreground and background relationships, or centuries-old traditions of the picturesque. The Pilbara was flat, vast, endless. Williams needed a new pictorial language to embody these qualities. One-point perspective was not going to encompass this vision. In these landscapes, there is no focal point. As Williams said, It's perfectly true. The Australian landscape is monotonous. There is no focal point, and obviously it was too good a thing for me to pass up. The fact that if there's going to be no focal point in a landscape, then it had to be built into the paint. In 1968, John Brack said of his compositional experimentation that Williams had seized upon the singularity of our landscape with its essential differences from the European. It is never picturesque. In developing a different set of conventions for compositional space, Williams drew from the aerial perspectives found in indigenous art, the formal qualities of colour field painting and techniques for depicting space in Japanese and Chinese art. Williams deals with space in an incredibly dynamic way. There's dramatic use of verticals, horizontals and diagonals, theatrical, big compositional gestures, but also a lovely attention to specific details and the sense of looking out a plain window, just as Williams had encountered the landscape. The spatial dynamic is also somewhat confounding. The land often tilts in a strange way. The view we have is often simultaneously both flat and in elevation. The effect gives us a slight sense of vertigo, but a big sense of the sheer scale and distance of the vista we're overlooking. Williams was strongly interested in the formal qualities of art. He wrote in his diary that, I only use the subject matter as an excuse to hang the picture on. He would often turn the canvas upside down as he painted, in order to concentrate on compositional qualities rather than subject matter. I'm strictly an upside-down painter, he joked to James Gleeson. He was also greatly captivated by the physical properties of paint. The oils in the Pilbara series were painted using pre-war Windsor and Newton paints, which he had bought from the war artist Alan Moore, prizing their intensity of colour. He thinned the paint right down, applying it in wash after wash. There's only a cupful of paint in it, he said. His images present a highly idiosyncratic pictorial language. Bernard Smith once said, there is much about his compositions which are reminiscent of music. Trees spread themselves across scoriated surfaces like notes on a musical score. In Williams, we might say, landscape aspires to be a condition of music. Williams developed a visual shorthand comprised of what he called symbols. In the paintings before you, 
trees appear like calligraphic marks and more densely vegetated patches like clusters of dots. Working in the Pilbara, Williams recalled how he spent a long time trying to work out a kind of symbol for the fascinating white-trunked small gum. Like Brack said, everybody may have done the gum tree, but no one had done it quite like this before. 